Today we have a guest speaker. His name's Vanya. I'm going to leave the introduction for him, but please welcome him up with claps. There you go. Thank you, Alex. Hello. Praise the Lord. So as Alex said, my name is Vanya Svincitsky. Um, live here in Cincinnati. Uh, first time at Revive. Thank you, Angelina and Alex, for inviting me and having me up here to share the word with you. And a little bit about me before I start. Um, well, first of all, I, I'm not used to holding a mic, so that's why I'm kind of fumbling here. <laughs> but um, um, I am the youngest of eight in our family. Uh, and my brother Jacob is here. He's uh, our pastor. And um, yeah, let's stand. Okay. That, that'll help out. Thanks. Uh, and I am married. I have, uh, have a beautiful wife that I love very much and two kids, two girls. And <clears throat> I am the, uh, in our church for, the, uh, for their youth. Uh, we get together on Saturdays. And uh, thank you. That makes it a lot easier. And so on Saturdays, we uh, get together for uh, Bible study. And I enjoy reading the Bible. It is awesome. It is God's word. It gives us life. It is good. And I would like to share some word with you today on something that is actually offensive. Um, it's interesting. And in my life, there are a couple of things that offended me when, uh, you know, as I'm learning, growing, and all, the, all these things. And there's not much that does offend me, but there are some things that did. And one of them is when I started working at my job, I started as a... Um, Quality assurance. I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm, I'm nervous, so sorry. I'm going to stumble. Um, starting at Patheon, a pharmaceutical company, and in the quality department, I work as a chemist. And so I receive a sample, uh, read the directions on how what test to run, follow them. And as I run the test, I will record what I'm doing so that there's a trail of what I've done. And then I record a result. And up until that point... I was very sure of myself. And everything that I did, I was like, man, I know I nailed it. I got it. I, I, like, I like perfection. I like quality. I like to pay attention to the detail. And that's me. And I like that. And I always thought of myself as, man, I, you know, I kind of found myself a little bit of prideful in that, thinking that I always like finding the small little things and just perfecting them. And that's what I started doing at work until I started getting my work back from the reviewers. And they're like, you messed up here. And you also messed up here. And I'm thinking... You know, my, my supervisor comes up to me and he's like, you know, you failed this test. You're at fault. And that's when it hit me. I was like, man, that offended me. I got hurt. I got hurt because I, I put so much time and effort in and I, I'm so specific on things. But yet I was offended because somebody told me, you're wrong. You did this wrong. And it hurt me. And I was offended. But Later on, I found out by myself that I can't, just, I can't trust myself <laughs> because when it comes to following a very detailed method, uh, sometimes you can forget, sometimes you do slip up and you make mistakes, and that's natural. Everybody does that. And the offensive part, it's, the definition of offense is causing someone to feel deeply hurt, upset, or angry. 
And what I find in life is what's so interesting is the most important thing in life first approaches you offensively. And what do I mean by that? It's the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel, essentially, to go uh, directly to the point of what I'm trying to make, it, there's a lot about to talk about the gospel, but the point is that it shines the light in your life and exposes your sins, and it doesn't feel good. Definitely did not make me feel good. I didn't want to even hear it sometimes. I just thought, no, that's not me. That's, I would never do such a thing. And then other people will point out, yeah, what about that time? What about that example? And then it exposes you. And so when it exposes in somebody something that is bad, that is wrong, it makes you feel bad, right? Nobody wants to hear something negative about you. Nobody comes up to someone, I've never met you, this is my first time, hi, uh, I just don't like the way your hair looks, sorry. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody does that, right? Because that's offensive, that can hurt somebody's feelings. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Galatians chapter 5, and I'll be reading verse 16 to 24. And here what Paul is talking about, it. Paul is talking about the difference. He's saying flesh and spirit. The difference between the two and partially why it's offensive to us as, well, I should say, to be more uh, specific, accurate, uh, it's offensive to non-believers at first when they hear it. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 5. Uh, and I'll start with verse 16, and I'll first read through all of it, and then I'll come back and highlight the points that I'd like to make. But I say, <clears throat> Paul, Paul writes, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one, to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I have warned you before, that those that do such things do not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So what I would like to highlight is verse 17, where Paul is saying, desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other. So that's what it is. Our flesh, Paul, when he mentions the word flesh, is, yes, our body. But what he means more specifically about it is what we want, our passions, our desires, those things that are in us that cause sin, cause us to sin and stumble. Those are the things that our body is naturally born with, where we see something and we desire, we want it. We see something and we fight for it. We might be angry, we might uh, put others underneath us to get on top, to climb that ladder to get to the top. These are the things that naturally human bodies just want to do. And it feels good for us when we get it, when we want, when we get what we want. In the very beginning, what started all this? You don't have to flip there because sometimes it might take a long time, but Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. 
chapter two, verse 16 in Genesis. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. God tells Adam, you can eat anything you want uh, from these trees, except for the one tree. He had one thing that he was not allowed to do. Guess what he did? <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because you think, you know, God said, enjoy everything that I'm giving you in the garden and eat of Eden. You, you have a wife, you have all these animals, you have all this to take care of and have fun. And just, just don't eat that one fruit. If you do, you will die. Well, did Adam die? Did his flesh actually die? No. What was killed? Now, there's, a two, there's a multiple interpretations that people will have, but I believe that, honestly, Adam died two different ways. In that moment, he died spiritually. His connection with God was cut off. God kicked him out of Eden. He was no longer in the presence of God. And yet again, also, his flesh also will die. Because in the garden, if you remember the story, that there is a tree of life that the fruit, if he were to eat, he would continue to live. And so God kicked him out of Eden. So his flesh then also died. He lived 930 years, but he still ended up dying. But the, the sin entered the world. And ever since then, the first murder that happened from brother to brother because of jealousy. That was his, that's what Cain wanted. Cain wanted and didn't have, and so he killed for what he didn't have. That's what, that was his desire, right? So from the very beginning, humans, Adam and Eve, starting with Adam and Eve, humans afterwards were in, were in sin. And there was no way of having a spiritual connection with God unless God directed them how to have that connection. And so with the Israelites, it was the commandments and the sacrifices and all the things that they had to do to fulfill so that they would be just made right with God, right? But it wasn't fully complete because they also needed to have faith. And so I would like to read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. This was going to be more specific toward what is the gospel and what is that light. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have, rena we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or tempering with God's word. But the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God said, let, there, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we see the gospel is the light that shines out. This is the light if you recall in Genesis, the very first thing God did and <clears throat> for the, on the first day, the very first thing God created was light, and he separated the light from the darkness. This light that God has created is the light that we now have through Jesus Christ 
to shine out to others. But when we shine this light, it exposes something. It exposes that sin that people have. So when you come up to somebody that is an unbeliever and you tell them, you would be right, but it's the wrong way to start off. But if you started off with, you're a sinner. Well, that's going to hurt. <laughs> that, that's going to set them off. Like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? It's offensive because, yes, sinner, but what is happening is the gospel is shining a light and exposing the evil that is in that person's life. That doesn't feel good. John chapter, John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, John writes, I'm sorry, I meant to say chapter 3, verse 19 to 20. And this, I'm sorry, and John is writing what Jesus is saying, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because of their evil works. For anyone who, de- who, who does wicked things hates the light and does not want to come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So when we are, when we become Christians and God's spirit lives in us and we do good things such as living by the spirit uh, where we encourage one another, where we do good works, where we volunteer, where we help out, where we do positive things, good things, This is the light that we shine out. And when this light that God is light, and when this light shines on someone that is uh, yet to be born again, that person realizes, that's what repenting is. You realize that what you have been living is not the true life, what you ought to be living. And that is not something that a, a person can say to somebody and change their mind. It is the Holy Spirit that works in that person's heart. It is God that takes the first step because he loves everybody. God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us so that we may have salvation. God took that first step. God loved us. God makes that, uses the Holy Spirit to change a person's life to have them realize, wow, I am a sinner. I need a savior. And there's only one savior, Jesus Christ. And so this light that shines on a person's heart really changes the person's life. It is not something that just happens because over time you learned about it and you decided yourself to change. It is God that does that work. God that changes that, his spirit that helps that person to change their life. It is the light that God shines in a person's life that helps them see. They are no longer blind because when you live in darkness, how could you walk? If the lights turned off in this room, we would be running into one another. It would hurt. I mean, we've ran into somebody's forehead with your forehead. You might get knocked out, and then <laughs> that won't be pleasant, right? So in the darkness, you don't know what you're doing. You can't see where you're going. How could you? How could you understand what's happening in the dark? So light that exposes the darkness shows you. So at my job, uh, we did this hygiene activity where you rub this cream on your hand, and then you put your hand in this, uh, this little box, and they'll shine a black light. And the black light exposes all the germs, well, the cream that are supposed to be the germs. And you go wash your hands, and then you come back, and you put them in the box again, and you shine the black light again, and it shows you where you have not washed very well. And so a lot of times in the cuticles and, and like on the wrist, people don't ri- wash everything very well, so there's something left. And you don't see it. I mean, I'm looking at my fingers. They look pretty clean, but... I'm definitely not going to suck on my fingers. <laughs> I know there's germs on them. And so you can't see them, 
You're blind to them, but they're there. And that black light exposed the germs on your fingers. And that's what it is when someone's as blind to the light. They, they can't see that they're in sin. I had a friend in um, one, of my, one of my coworkers. Um, he's not Christian. And uh, I was talking with him. And he was telling me, he's like, well, I, I live life great. I, I mean, I don't do anything wrong. I mean, I, I follow the, you know, the rules that government set and all these things. And I live life just fine. And I, I feel great about it. I feel good. I'm a good person. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I mean, you feel good about it. But if the gospel shine light in your life, you would see all the wrong things that you're doing. And it's, it's wrong. Why? Because he doesn't live for Christ. He doesn't, he's not reborn. He's not regenerated by the spirit. And so he doesn't know what is good and what is evil. To him, there is no sin because he doesn't believe in the Bible. He doesn't believe in God. So to him, there is no standard. There's no standard set where it says, don't lie. Well, if he feels like he lied and he actually did a good thing and it, and it benefited him, he thinks he did a good thing, but he lied. It's a sin. So when he doesn't see that, he thinks that he's living a life that is just great, that is just dandy and everything's good and he's a great person. And so that's what happens when a person's living in the darkness. And so when the gospel shines on a person's life, it changes them, absolutely changes them 180 and you see what you do. And as a Christian, then sometimes when you're devoting yourself and you're really, you really, God works in your heart and you really like think about what you did, like, man, I feel so bad that I did that or that I said that. That's the light working in you as well. It's shining on something that you need to work on. That's something that you need to fix. Maybe that you just don't see yourself. You just don't see it when you just constantly poke on somebody. You poke on somebody. You say something to them. You say something negative. And they're constantly bring, you're bringing that person down. I saw that sometimes when I do it with my wife. It's, it's so tough when you're living with a spouse and you're, you see all the things that they do wrong. And you're like, stop, stop. Don't do that. Why are you doing that? You know, you, you see them because you live with them. And so it, there's, there's always this, this argument, this battle. And it's so tough, though, to say, I love everything that you do. And, you know, you're a great person. You know, thank you for this and that. It's so tough to do that. But sometimes we don't see that in ourselves, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 to 14 also confirms this as Paul writes. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. Paul writes to the Ephesians saying, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So here Paul calls them sleeper, meaning asleep, spiritually asleep. They don't know where they're going. They're blind, and the light's not shining on their life yet, and so they can't see. And Paul says that some of the things that they do are so shameful that he wouldn't even speak of it. I can't even imagine what that would be because a bunch of other times he says sexual immorality and uh, orgies and uh, things that the Corinthians did. If you read through the Corinthians, they had some really, really messed up things that they did. And he says that there are people that do these things in secret. And he doesn't even want to talk about how, how unfruitful they are. 
First Peter chapter two. Peter also speaking. Peter now also uh, primarily speaking to the Jewish people, right? To the Hebrews. Peter is talking to the Hebrews, and he writes to them, quoting the Old Testament. He quotes Isaiah, and what Peter says to primarily what he, who he's speaking to, he's speaking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, those that work in the temple and ought to be doing God's work and helping the people come closer to God. But instead, if you read the New Testament, you see there's a lot of things that Jesus points out in their lives that they were doing the opposite. They were pushing people away from God. They were doing the opposite work, thinking they were doing the right thing. And so Peter, when he speaks to the... To the um, when he speaks to the Jewish people, he primarily speaks and quoting the Old Testament, saying that, and I'll be reading uh, verse uh, 6 to 8, for it stands in Scripture, behold, I am laying a, I am laying a, oh, I'm sorry, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whatever, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So here Peter is speaking to, to basically the, to the Jewish people. He's saying, he's quoting Old Testament, which in their time, of course, is scripture. It's the Holy Scripture that they had because New Testament was written a little bit after the, the apostles wrote him, right? So he's saying, he's quoting scripture. He's saying that, remember when Isaiah was saying that, well, in Isaiah, God was saying that God is laying a rock, a cornerstone, a cornerstone specifically. Why? Because when you built a temple, you had to lay a foundation down. And a foundation was very important because whatever you build on a foundation, it's only as strong as a foundation. So the cornerstone that goes in a corner is, is even more so important because that's where two walls get combined. And so that needs to be perfect. It needs to be big. It needs to be sturdy. And so this cornerstone that's being laid down became a stumbling block to who? To the builders. Who were the builders? Those that are bringing God's children together. They're the ones that are supposed to build the temple, the temple that's on the inside. That temple that is supposed to be built, because we're now in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, the temple that we have is the Holy Spirit that lives in us, so our body is the temple. But back then, he was, uh, he was making a, a connection saying the temple that you actually built, the physical temple, you builders are rejecting the most important stone, Jesus. Jesus Christ is that stone that's being laid. And it, and it has become a stone of stumbling and also of offense to the Pharisees. So when you, know, when you read the New Testament, you see Jesus, he comes to the Pharisees and he says, you broods of, you know, you, you snakes, you're... Your graveyards that are just decorated beautifully, but on the inside, you're dead. And he points his finger at them saying, you're doing all these things wrong. And they were offended to the point that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill Jesus. That's how, that's how offended they were. Could you imagine somebody right now being so offended at somebody that they, their, their main goal now is just to kill that person? Oh, let's kill him because I just don't like what he's saying anymore. And that's what they did to Jesus. They literally killed Jesus because they were offended. And so... Jesus tells us to bear his cross. The cross to bear that we have to bear is the light, the gospel, to spread it ministry through ministry and show the gospel, show Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. 
And so this cross that we carry is the cross that Jesus literally carried. And so this is what we do as uh, Christians. By faith, we carry the cross that is not fun. Honestly, for our bodies, it's not fun. Who thinks is carrying, who thinks doing any kind of work is actually fun? It's not. I'd rather be playing video games. It's easy. I just move my thumbs around and I'm enjoying looking at a TV, playing a video game. It's more fun for me. I'm just being honest. I'm not even going to hide it. <laughs> I mean, on my gener- our generation, we, you know, video games are really big, but, but the hard part is putting the work and effort. Who wants to go out and preach? Unless it's the Holy Spirit that pushes you and tells you and, co- and convicts you to go out to do that work. That's tough. That's encountering somebody. Somebody might yell at you. Somebody might even spit at you because they don't like what you're saying. It's very tough. This is the work that we're called to do. This is the cross we are called to bear because Jesus Christ bared that for us. And so Jesus tells his disciples, he says, when you go out there, they will hate you because they first hated me. Why? Because it was offensive. Their, their evil ways were exposed and they were wrong and they should not have been the evil that they were doing. Some people not have actually have seen what they actually do because there's evil that they do in front of people to fool people. As it says in the New Testament, uh, in the later days, they'll have itching ears. They'll want to hear whatever, whatever something that they want to hear. So somebody can stand up in a church and start preaching about all the fun, you know, good stuff. But what about the stuff that is sin? You don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I know when I get convicted, I hear it and I'm like, man, I've been doing this sin so long. Why am I doing it? And it, and it hits me and I cry and it hurts. So this is something that we as Christians, we have to go through it, right? We have to carry the cross. It's offensive. It hurts us because we are human. We are, we are in our flesh. We are what is called, we are in the kingdom of God that is uh, already begun and not yet come. What that means is we are in Jesus Christ, so we are God's with us, but yet we are not fully with God in heaven. And that happens when the last day comes, when Jesus comes to bring his sheep, right? So we get the new body and we're with him fully. That point, we will be with him fully. We will not have this body full of desires and these earthly things that we just sometimes can't help and fall. Paul says, I do the things that I don't want to do, but yet I know I shouldn't do them, and I do them anyway, and I hate it. Why? Because that's our flesh. Our flesh wants to do that because it feels good, because it's nice, because I thought about it. Somebody else, I saw somebody else having, you know, I like cars. When I see a sports car driving the road, I'm like, oh, I'm in this junk. (laughs) And when I'm not thinking about it, right, I'm using my brain, I'm thinking, what can I do to make some more money so I can actually get an afford a car? What can I do? What can I do? I can work extra hours without spend less time with my family. No, I can't do that. Well, I can get another job. No, same thing. Sell drugs? No, 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 no. <laughs> so you see where your brain starts to tumble down, right? And just recently, I got over one in my job. I, I, I just I wanted to climb that ladder. I wanted to, you know corporate ladder, get higher and higher, get paid better, you know, you know, supervisor, manager, things like that. And I, and I was struggling and I was fighting and I applied to internally in my job and I wanted to grow in my career so I can make more money. So therefore I can just pay for all my bills and buy a sports car. So you see where my brain has started working, started going and I started fighting for it and I couldn't. <laughs> I applied here, I applied there. Nobody wants me. I was like, man, this 
this sucks. <laughs> I, got, I can't get a job that will pay me more. <laughs> and then I finally realized, and in talking with my brother, and I was like, man, you know, I, I need to stop striving for these earthly things because it, it's draining. It's so draining for me mentally, spiritually, physically. I come home tired. I'm, I come home, you know, you know, right when I come home, I, I work 10 hours a day. I come home and try to get on the computer, look for jobs, and my kids are running around and things all over the floor and whatnot, and I'm looking for a job. Can't find anything, and I get disappointed, and I get frustrated, I go to work. I'm like, man, I'm still here. And it, it, was, it sucked. It, it brought me down. It drained me. And then, I, and then it finally hit me, and I was like, wow, you know, talking with my brother, I was like, I need to stop thinking about that. I, I, this is the desires that my flesh wants. I'm not shining the light of the gospel because when you do that, you sometimes shine the light on yourself and you think, oh, I'm a sinner too. I need to stop doing this. <laughs> so you catch yourself sometimes just, and it's slow. It's very slow because it wasn't something that, boom, and one day I just, full force, I just, you know, striving to do something that I wanted to do. You know, it, it gradually builds on you and you don't see it until somebody sometimes points at you and said, hey, you know, they pull out the flashlight and like, you know, there's a light, you know, there's your sin. So you have to sometimes slow down and think about it. I'm like, man, yeah, you're right. You know, I, I enjoy my life now more because I'm able to be going to work and free myself and not worry about, you know, climbing that ladder. So to me, in my own experience, it's been multiple times, you know, you get offended and then you think about it and then you're like, wow, thank God that he opened it up to me that I need to stop. I need to stop, you know, going down that path. And it helps. It helps all of us. And I know it helps everybody that has God's spirit. Why? Because God loves you and cares for you, and his spirit will reveal it to you. Whether it's through somebody else that tells you, or whether it is you reflecting on your own life, maybe it's analyzing where you've gone from and where you are now, and you look back at it and you say, well, actually, you know what, I could, I could work on that. You know, that, that, that little voice, that little thought is what God is saying to you to better yourself. Because our life on earth is a very slow progression. Paul says, walk in the Spirit. He doesn't say run. He doesn't say jump in a car. Well, they didn't have cars. But he didn't say jump on a horse and gallop and right to your goal, destination. He says walk. Why? Because it's slow, it's paceful, and you can get a lot further. The Spirit that works in our hearts constantly helping us. We're walking with God, and we better our ways. We're always getting better. And you always keep it, continue getting better until you die. Grandpas, grandmas, you think they got it all figured out? No, they're still learning too. Everybody is. That is our life here on earth. And like Alex, Alex was saying, you're, we're constantly talking with people. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking with everybody here that has, a hear, that has an ear, can hear me. And so we're communicating, right? And so, I mean, you're communicating by nodding your head and smiling. But the, the point is that we're interacting with one another, and we need to make sure that we have that love, right? Love for one another, and make sure that we work on ourselves. And I would like to finish with reading Luke chapter 7, verse 23. I didn't mark this one, so it might take some time. Luke chapter 7, <clears throat> verse 23. Jesus says, And blessed is the one who is not offended by me, Blessed. Why? Because when you're not offended by Jesus, you come to Christ, you are reborn, you have a Savior that loves you, 
God, creator of all things, everything that you can think of that was created, God did that for us and him for the glory of God. And so you are blessed because you then have a life in Christ, in light. You are a person that is shining bright like a morning star, right? And so we have the light. We have salvation. We in this life are happy and joyful because we know who our Savior is and where we're going. We know when this life, when, when this body dies, we know where we're ending up. And the ultimate goal, the ultimate reward is life forever in eternity with our God. Amen. <laughs> before, thank you. Um, before worship starts, um, I just thought I would share real quick, because as Vanya was speaking, um, just something was... <sighs> I know we didn't share about this yet, and we usually share very quickly after um, something happens at Revive or whatnot, but about a week ago, it was a Friday, and so Vanya was talking about bearing his cross and sharing the gospel. Uh, We decided to have our very first evangelism night. Um, So we got together at the mall, and we prayed um, together before going out and just sharing the gospel, um, just sharing... Um, what God has put place on our hearts. And we had no vision in the sense of like, we didn't have like, oh, these are the specific people we're going to look for. It was It was just, all right, this, our vision was evangelism, sharing the gospel. Um, and so before, um, before we went out or before even going to evangelism night, I just, I was struggling. Um, so I feel like I've been struggling, but it was a really difficult, it's been a really difficult season. And if anybody knows what it's like to do ministry when you're struggling yourself, it's really hard. Um, it's hard to want to go and to pour into others when you feel like you need to be poured into right now. Um, so I decided, I'm like, okay, well, I have, you know, I have to go. Like, this is our first evangelism night. Um, I have to pull myself together and I have to go. Um, so I pushed through and I went. And as we were praying downstairs with the group before we split up, um, the Lord was like the color red. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what that means, um, but we're going to go with it. Uh, we, Cherish and I were grouped together. So we started walking through the mall and there's a couple people that we prayed for and just asked if they need prayer for anything. And by the way, guys, I learned this from Jibby, but you ask anybody if you, what do you need most from God today? That's the easiest conversation starter. They usually never, ever, ever deny that. What do you need most from God today? Everyone needs something from God, whether they're a believer or not. Trust me on that one. It's the easiest way to open up a conversation. So we started, um, we started going out and talking and I saw a girl walking with a bright red leather jacket and I was like, okay, Lord, maybe this is it. And he, and I had a, I was babysitting. I was holding Liana's um, son and he started crying really loudly and she walked into a store and I was like, okay, that wasn't it. I'm, I misheard him. And then, um, he, like I sat him down and she walks past me again. And again, Declan started crying very loudly. And so I had to go get him and I'm like, okay, like that wasn't my open door. So it's fine that I, I misheard. And I took Declan back to Liana and we came back and Cherish was like, I just feel like we need to go back up that way again. And I'm like, okay, we've already been there, but let's go again. So we're walking past that way. And I see the girl walking towards us with a bright leather jacket. And I don't even tell Cherish, but I'm like, I just have to jump in front of her. I didn't literally jump, but I just like got in front of her and I was like, I'm really sorry. This might sound really weird um, and crazy, but what do you know? What do you need most from God today? 
That's it. Like, what do you need most from God today? Um, and she was just kind of surprised at first. And she said, this is so weird. Um, I'm actually a believer. And she's like, I'm really struggling right now. The situation I'm currently in has me a little bit confused. And so as she's talking, I'm thinking in my head, because it's someone else's situation, I'm like, oh, I know. I know what I need to do. I need to pray for this, this, and this. Like, let's go. And as she's talking, I'm like, that's the situation I'm in. It's a lot easier to recognize the lies of the enemy when it's someone else's situation rather than our own. Because we are emotional and we are in that situation. We are living through it. And so I'm looking at her and I'm like, okay, let's go. I'm going to pray for you. Like, I know, like we're, we're going to pray. Um, and she's overwhelmed. She's crying and we're praying for her. And as I'm speaking truth into her life, I'm thinking like, I have literally haven't even spoken this truth into my own life. And I'm struggling through exactly what she's struggling through. That moment was, she was highlighted to us. Like he was speaking about her before we even decided to go evangelizing downstairs when he said red. Like I knew, I knew in my heart that was who he was talking about. Um, and by speaking into her, even though I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel like going evangelizing that night. I didn't feel like I wanted to be there. My flesh didn't want to, but I fought through that, right? My, my spirit was able to be fed just by feeding someone else. Speaking into her, I was speaking into myself as well. Truth. That's, that's just crazy. And that's good. And that's how we work sometimes. Um, so it's much easier to distinguish the lies of the enemy when it's someone else's issue rather than our own. But he, when he calls us to ministry, when he calls us to bearing the cross, it's sharing the gospel. It's doing us doing it whether we feel like it or not. Most of the time, we won't feel like it, like Vina said. <laughs> we really won't. I hate to break it to you. Um, but sometimes once you push past that, I promise you there's breakthrough and movement and freedom and healing. So many crazy things that he just has waiting for us. That's just fighting that flesh. So let's worship tonight. <laughs> That's all I got. We, we thank you for the opportunity to just come here and Let's just give you all the glory, Lord, through through worship, through praise, Lord God, because you shine a light in us, Lord God, and, and it pushes us to just want to shine that light to other people, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, for your spirit, for what you're doing in this place, Lord, for this community, for the people that come, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you just keep filling up your house, Lord, more and more with you. We thank you, Lord, for, for your presence, Lord God. for what you're doing now, Lord God, for what you've done and what you're going to do in the future, Lord. Pray that you bless this week, Lord God. That nobody came through these doors on accident, Lord God. That, that, that the Spirit's already moving in every person here and beginning to change lives one by one. In your name we pray. Amen.